0: If you take out your Bibles, we're going to the book of Acts, chapter 12. How do you react when a crisis, something bad happens? You get bad news. How do you react? Do you tend to withdraw, go into kind of a, 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 a sad, uh, inward, lo- aloneness kind of thing? You, you pull away and you think? That would be the way that my nature is. Or do you pray? Do you know how to pray? Because so much of our praying is just moaning out loud. Worrying in front of God. Oh God! You know, I think we, that's not prayer. That's, you know, It's a lamenting maybe. But it isn't prayer. What, what, do you, what, what do you do when you hear bad news? Today we're going to watch our, our forefathers and mothers react to some terrible news react to, to, to really a very, a very bad situation. And we're going to see them pull together and pray together. And we're going to see them in what is actually a very low level of faith. I love it. This is very encouraging. Their faith is low. And we'll see it. And, they, and they, through their prayers, an incredible miracle takes place. Very little faith, coming together, but learning to persevere, learning to press in, learning to really focus in their prayers. And they release an incredible miracle. We're, we're looking at this because we can do the same. We can respond to difficult things. We can respond to bad news. We can respond to crises the same way. And I believe we'll see the same kind of miracles. God's taking us a step forward. He's teaching us something today about how to step into the power of God, how to begin to see the Lord move. Father God, would you open our hearts? We would be a New Testament church. We would be men and women full of the Holy Spirit. We would, be, we would walk in the same power. We would see the same grace. We would see your mighty hand move. Nothing's changed, Jesus. You're the same yesterday and today and forever we confess that as we start. Open our ears and eyes to see and hear the things of God. Soft hearts, Lord. Where we've been wounded. Where there's, where there's defensiveness now. Remove it. And let us hear the word and believe the word. Let me preach the word in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. All right. I will uh, start by reading. I'm going to go to Acts 12. And I'm going to start at verse 1. And I'll take you down through verse 17. Now at that time... Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. That's a pretty soft translation, to harm them is what he says. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, we're talking there about the religious leaders, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after Passover to bring him out before the people. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer was made for him, pardon me, prayer for him was being fervently, I'll tell you later what that what it, the actual terms he uses, made fervently by the church to God. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. And Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter's side and woke him up saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. In case you wonder what a vision looked like to Peter, he can't tell it from reality. Isn't that interesting? And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. The Greek word is automate. Do you recognize it? (laughs) Yeah, automatic, that kind of thing. Open for him by, by, it, by itself, and they went out and went along one street. They actually went down one street, so they went a block, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when he, Peter came to himself, he said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And he knocked at the door of the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Now, this gate isn't just a little garden gate. In that kind of culture, you've got a, a, a kind of an outer, outer portico, a, a courtyard, and then you have a full door. You go to a lot of, you go to Near East or Europe and all, you'll still see this kind of thing. But you come up to an outer door, and then there's a little garden, and then you go to the house. So he's coming out, and so he's knocking on that door. Rhoda came, and when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. <laughs> Isn't that a funny? It, it, so Peter's out there, and this is a dangerous moment. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's loose, and he's out there going, Rhoda. Rhoda, let me in. Rhoda, no, don't leave. Rhoda. She goes running into the, the main hall. And uh, he, they said, so now listen, they're all praying for what? For, I mean, for his release, you'd think. you know, They're, they're praying for him. They've got this prayer meeting. The, the house, it literally says, is crowded. I mean, they, they've crammed into the house. So they're all in there praying. She comes, he says, Peter's at the gate. Well, you know what they're going to say. Hallelujah, of course he is. God answered our prayers. Come on. You know, they're just going to. So let's hear that. They said, you are out of your mind. <laughs> you know what the word is Greek? Maniac. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they kept She kept insisting that it was so. And they so they said, it's his angel. Well, what, people do all kinds of things. What they mean is his disembodied spirit. Peter's dead already. And he, Peter in the spirit is showing up to say goodbye. You know, so notice the Notice the powerful faith. I mean, does this encourage you? It does me. I love it when little people, a little faith, because then I figure I can do it too. Peter continued knocking. You better believe he did. And when they had opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hands to be silent. The Greek tells you what that is. He did this, this gesture. Shh, shh. Down, everybody, quiet. So you've got this roar going on. Uh, motioning them to be silent, uh, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of prison. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. And he left and went to another place. Let me retell this just a bit. During the time that Barnabas and Saul were in Jerusalem. So they're, they're still there. I mean, they've come down, you recall, with Titus. And we've, gone, we've described all of that a couple of weeks ago. During the time Barnabas and Saul were in Jerusalem, the church in that city experienced a violent persecution. Herod Agrippa I, Herod the Great Great's grandson, seized some to harm them, and in the process executed the Apostle James with a sword, which most likely meant he had him, he had been beheaded. Now that's a very disgraceful thing for a Jew. To have your head cut off uh, is a disgraceful thing. To just, you know, disfigure the body like that. It's it's a the sad thing. So here is here is James, and he's he's publicly had his head cut off, um, and that's horrible. Herod Agrippa reigned from about A.D. thirty seven through forty four. I think it's through forty six. Never mind. And held on to power by being both fiercely loyal to Rome, and by conducting himself as a devout Pharisaic Jew. This was his this was his M.O. He's he is ferociously loyal to Rome, but he he conducts himself like a Pharisaic Jew. He's highly observant. So they, they love him. So he's, got, he's, he's really got it both ways. Persecuting the church was a way he could show the nation how zealous he was for the law of Moses. He too was outraged by these followers of Jesus, in particular, those who had begun to drop the cultural barriers that separated Jew and Gentile. Now remember what's just been happening. We've just had Cornelius' household, We've had all of these these Romans getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've had the Antioch church in which thousands and thousands of Gentiles are pouring in, and the Jews and the Gentiles are fellowshipping. They're eating together. They're going to church together. They're hugging one another. I mean, this is all forbidden according to this highly observant uh, uh, interpretation. And don't tell me word hasn't gotten out. Don't tell me word hasn't gotten out, and it isn't going down well at all. If word had already reached Jerusalem that Jews were fellowshipping with Gentiles in Antioch, that news alone would have been enough to reawaken hostility toward the church. Peter was arrested and placed under maximum security. He'd already escaped from prison once before. Remember that? So Herod put him in jail, delivering him to four squads, and there's four soldiers per squad, to guard him, planning after the Passover to bring him up, that would be out of a dungeon, to the people and he intended to execute Peter after the festival of unleavened bread was concluded. So Peter is manacled chains on each arm. He's got those chains are attached to two soldiers who who are rotated every three hours. So nobody falls asleep. Um, They have guards outside his immediate cell, two of them apparently. And he have guards outside the next gate, wherever that is. And then there's an iron gate. This is maximum security. This is all they know how to do to keep this man arrested. This This is the full, full assault. By delaying the execution, Herod unintentionally gave the church time to pray. And they use those days to pray fervently. You see, Passover is the first day. And then you have a week of what's called unleavened bread. And that whole thing is a holiday. It's a holy day. And so you don't, you don't, all kind, you don't work and stuff. So in his Pharisaic observance, he th- says, I'm not going to kill him during a holy day. I'm not going to defile the holy days. But as soon as it's over, I'm bringing him up out of the dungeon publicly. And I'm going to do the same thing to him. I'll cut Peter's head off. And in doing that, he gave the church time to pray. I I, I suspect that the thing with with James took place quickly. But there's a mercy here in that there's time to pray. Peter was, uh, Luke describes their prayer this way. This is important. Prayer concerning him was continually being, listen, stretched out by the church toward God. Do you hear that? Do you hear the, 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 process stretched out i don't know if they're on their face hands in the air however it is they are reaching out they're stretching out to god in prayer for peter there's a pressing in there's a there's a laying hold of the lord uh for this even though as i noted their faith is quite low they are praying that way and their prayer had a powerful effect beyond anything they expected Peter was manacled with a chain attached to each arm. These two chains were attached to two soldiers who were rotated every three hours. Two different sets of guards were posted outside his cell. And finally, there was an iron gate outside the wall of the prison. In other words, everything humanly possible was done to prevent him from escaping. Bad things happen over which we have no control. But we do have control over how we react to those events. Did you hear that? You got to notice how they're reacting. How do they react? What do they do when bad things happen? We can plummet into despair or turn our hearts to prayer. Real, passionate, focused prayer. There's a disarming realism in this passage. Luke allows us to watch our forefathers and mothers face a tragic, confusing situation. Yet in spite of their pain, they gathered to pray. They didn't pull away from each other to lament, though, of course, private prayer was a foundational part of every one of their lives. They responded to the horrible news that their dynamic leader had been shamefully beheaded by crowding into a house and then together stretching out toward God in prayer. They gathered, they focused, and they persevered. Say those three statements. They gathered, they focused and they persevered. Do it again. They gathered, they focused, and they persevered. And because they responded this way, they averted another tragedy and released a miracle that restored everyone's confidence in God. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, those are the three inner circle. And, and remember remember James? He's, he's the brother of John, James and John, Peter and Andrew, James and John. These are the first disciples, these guys were the ones that followed John the Baptist before before Jesus. These are all from Bethsaida. They're all from a town. They know each other deeply. James and John are, have a there's a nickname for them. What was it? Sons of thunder, boanerges. Why would you call somebody a son of thunder? They're loud. Yeah, they're loud. They are, they're outgoing, they're aggressive, they're loud. These, these sons of thunder, these boanerges, these, 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 these two. And so who do you think kind of leading the church there in, in, in Jerusalem? I think Peter and John are gone a lot. Those two traveled a lot together. James is the leader. And he's loud and he's aggressive and he's leading the church. So that's who, that's who Herod Agrippa takes down. Takes him and he's going to kill the leadership of this church. He's going to cut the head off. He's going to stop this thing once and for all. And when he sees a good reaction, he's got Peter next. Who'd be third? John, if he could get him. He's going to kill the top leaders of the church. He's going right through them. How do they react? James is dead. They're shocked at that. I mean, this is a guy who's probably doing miracles left and right. He's, he's casting out devils, healing the sick. The guy is, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of those. He's a full-on, spirit-led, empowered apostle. And yet they got him. That's got to shock you, doesn't it? God, why wouldn't you protect him? All the questions that want to come right now. How, if well, if, if James isn't safe, who is? I mean, this, this is a shaking event. And then, they, and then he gets Peter and locks him up like this. The prayer meter. There is no area of our lives that registers our level of faith more clearly than prayer. When discouragement strikes, the first thing affected is our prayer life. Prayer tends to decline because faith has been eroded by doubt or anger. We begin asking the big philosophical questions. You know you're in trouble when you begin asking, Why? And why not? And why me? And why not him? And and, you you begin to ask the big philosophical questions. You're on the spiral. You're on on the road. Our natural minds shift into gear to try to think our way out of the situation. I'll speak for myself anyway. Anyone else like that? Four of you. You think I believe that? We, we, you're not trying to think bad thoughts. You're not trying to do wrong things. The natural response of the human is to rely on our mind. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. Own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Look to him, Turn. wake up. Take your mind off yourself, look at him. And he will make your path straight. You see it? That's the the internal battle that's part of every human being. We try to fix it ourselves. But the more we think, the more discouraged we become until all of life seems hopeless. Prayer in such moments happens because we choose to pray, not because we feel like praying. Right about then, I don't think those believers all felt like praying. I think they knew they had to. I think their hearts sank. I think they were sick uh, with with sadness. I think they came together because they knew this is how you do it. They knew how to respond. It's an act of obedience based on a decision to trust God. Notice that word decision. Not emotion. A decision. In spite of the way things appear. It stands on promises that were seared into our memories during better times. I trust you're memorizing scripture. You've got to have scripture in you. I do not know what I would do. I don't know how I'd function with God. If there wasn't something he could, the Holy Spirit could touch and bring to mind. I'll share in a minute. The, one of the ways he just did that for me. But do you have Scripture hidden in your heart? There, are there promises that you that you know that they're deep in in good times? Memorize them, and then in bad times, there they are. There they are. It stands before God, ashamed of the way we feel, yet clinging to grace, trusting that He will receive us in our weakness because of Christ. When you are brokenhearted, when your faith is in the in the pits. When you are devastated, often you feel downright ashamed, unworthy to come before the Lord. And then you have to say, but his blood covers me. His, His grace is there. And you virtually drag yourself to his feet in spite of how you feel. It dares to ask because it remembers he requires only a mustard seed of faith. It calls out, Lord, help my unbelief. But the very fact that we have refused to be controlled by our doubts and have dragged ourselves to his feet shows that faith is still alive in us. It must be burning somewhere deep inside. And he, in his mercy, takes our little smoldering wick of faith and hears it and responds with a miracle vastly out of proportion with anything we even hoped for. Do you see this? Weak, sad people, even when the answer is at the door, they don't believe it. That is good news, people. They call her a maniac, a crazy woman. Of course he's not. And then he says, no, he's really there. Okay, then it's his spirit. He's dead already. (laughs) Come on. It's your father's and mother's. And they sprung him with that kind of faith. Because they knew how to pray. And we can do the same persecution had returned to jerusalem the popularity of the church had declined and the acting king the grandson of herod the great a man who pretended to be a highly observant jew had just executed one of their most outspoken and prominent leaders and now he had another under arrest with the intention of killing him as soon as the holidays were over from a human perspective the jerusalem church was being devastated And who can question that doubt and fear must have tried to overwhelm those believers. But in that dark hour, God provided a faint glimpse of mercy. Peter wouldn't be executed immediately. So they were given a few days to pray. And pray they did. Instead of plunging into despair over the question of why God had allowed this to happen, they turned their energies to prayer. And Luke's description of this event provides such detail that we're allowed to see the weakness of their faith as well as the greatness of their victory. Don't you love the candor of the Bible? Anybody who says it's just a bunch of religious talk where they're just inventing these things... There's lots of documents where people have religions and they invent stuff. And it doesn't read like the Bible at all. The Bible shows you the glaring weaknesses as, and, the, and, the, and the mercy of God constantly. Does anyone know the weaknesses of King David? But yet David is one of the greatest heroes in all of Israel. You would never have that in another religion. You would never know the weak side of David. But you and I know the, the, his greatest failures. We know all about it. Because the Bible's true. The Bible is is an accurate, honest document. And so here we're looking at them in their weakness. And yet we're seeing the, the greatness of what God is doing. And it's their weakness that gives us hope. If God heard their prayers, when their hearts were so heavy and their expectations so low, then he'll hear ours as well. Let's learn from their example and let our sorrows drive us to concerted prayer. How to respond to bad news. As we watch the Jerusalem church respond to bad news we learn learn important lessons. Number 1, acknowledge the mystery. Would you say that? Acknowledge the mystery. This passage raises questions it doesn't try to answer. Why did James die? Was it God's will or was it a lack of prayer? Boy, the commentators and people right, you know, looking at this passage, they're they're all over the place on this thing. You know, it was God's will. That's why. You know, and 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 you I, I don't know. Do I think it's God's will to have cut his head off? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> you know, sure, let's cut his head off. No. Well, then why did it happen if it wasn't God's will? Because stuff that isn't God's will happens all the time, doesn't it? Look at the world around you. What kind of God do you think you serve? So stuff happens. Stuff happens. That's my my answer. But it doesn't try to answer it. It certainly seems to indicate that the church's prayer was instrumental in Peter's rescue. Man, Luke Luke wouldn't write it this way. He wouldn't talk about them gathered. He says he 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 was under arrest, but the church stretched out to God in prayer. You don't talk like that if he doesn't think the prayer did this. Luke clearly believes that the prayer is instrumental in what just happened. That's why he said all of that stuff. It makes no, but it, it certainly seems to indicate that the church's prayer was instrumental in Peter's rescue, but it makes no promise that we can pray our way out of all persecution. After all, Peter later died a violent death in Rome. On that occasion, he was not delivered. In order to choose to pray, we have to humbly acknowledge that there are spiritual mysteries at work, which we may not understand until we get to heaven. Did you hear this? But if we're going to move forward we're going to have to stop demanding answers. We must deliberately take our eyes off the failures. Some of you may say, I've got integrity. I'm not going to be a fool. I'm you know, i not going to take my head off and set it apart to be a Christian. I have to understand these things. And some of you are stuck because until you figure out why that person died or why this situation happened or how God could have allowed this. You're not going to move forward. I'm going to tell you something. You're done. You're done. If you think that you're going to finally have God's going to come and explain it all to you and then you'll move on, you are you're, you're, you're got another thing coming. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. There is a fundamental humility in us. It says, I do not understand this. I don't like this. But I trust God. And it feels foolish. I want to show you David doing that. Go to Psalm 131. I, I just love this psalm. David is describing himself in a situation where he doesn't understand what's going on. And, I, and, he, and he could not say it more beautifully than he does. Psalm 131. I'll give you just enough time to turn there because I want you to see it. O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely, I've composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. You know what he's just said? He says, there's stuff I just don't understand. And he says, I do not have to understand everything. I do not choose to be the great theological mind that comprehends all of why these things are happening. There are things I just don't understand. And he says, but I choose this, I choose to cling to you like a weaned child clings to his mother. Now, now think how a weaned child is. You know, what? when the child is weaned from the breast, that that ch- is a traumatic moment. The, the child goes through all kinds of screaming, I mean, you know, and, and all kinds of crying. Don't you love those cries where there's nothing comes out, you know? You know the, the baby wants to be fed, and the, so there's this... And you're going, breathe, breathe, come on, come on, come on, come on, breathe. Ah! And out it comes. You know. So you've gone through the, the child's first thrown a tantrum. The child, that kind of a, a wean child is an angry child. It's those angry tears. I mean, I, we had with, when we raise our children, we go. There's real tears, and then there's angry tears. And I go, stop crying. Stop crying. You're just no, because they're actually scolding. They're not just they're not just weeping. So this this wean child is. Going through all of this, and then you know what happens after a while—you find the child finally grows exhausted Mm -hmm. and collapses on mother, and it's 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 the old. The child is giving in, right? The child is surrendering. The will is being broken. Mm -hmm. The Dobson. he just taught us how to raise children as much. Years ago, he wrote a book called, uh, what is it? Dare to Discipline. And he said, there's a huge difference between the child's spirit and will. The spirit is their, self, their, their self-esteem. He said, that's very fragile. He said, their will is like steel. You can only modify the will. You can't, you can't break it. But what's happening, what, and what a child must be taught is to bow the knee. This is the thing the human spirit doesn't want to do, to surrender to obey. And David is describing himself with God. There's things I don't understand. There's things I don't like. I've chosen not not to be the great sage who understands all these things. I humbly acknowledge I'm out of my depth. And like a weaned child, because there's been something going on for him that's really bugged him. He says, I collapse in your arms and I will love you and I will trust you. And I will cling to you, though I don't understand. Is that beautiful or what? That, psalms, that, that psalm is just a powerful, healing psalm. We have to acknowledge the mystery. You cannot let yourself get stuck on something that you don't understand, something that happened that should have, but it didn't. You cannot blame God. You cannot, you really, and you mustn't blame others. Don't come up with an answer. Leave it alone. Just trust him again. Secondly, acknowledge the promises. In spite of bad news, we're encouraged by scripture to pray boldly confident that our prayers will change things. No matter what's happened, those promises of God stand like great pillars, right, through the Bible. And they're all over the place, aren't they? Let's have a look at some of them. I'm gonna just, uh, I'll mention the the reference and then I want you to read it out loud with me. Here we go. And these just, I just recorded these as they came to my mind. You know these promises, but listen to them again. John 5, here we go. 1 John 5. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. How solid does that sound? There is no qualifiers in there. Bugs you, doesn't it? Matthew 18. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Mark eleven twenty two 22 through 24. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you've received them, and they will be granted you. Who said that? If we are crazy people, it's his fault. I'm serious. There is no one to blame but Jesus. If that was not true, he should never have said stuff like that. Matthew 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Matthew 21, and all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You see the problem? no matter what's happened no matter what prayers you feel weren't answered no matter what difficulty what bad news has arrived those promises stand like pillars there they are you have to deal with them they are there you cannot ignore them jesus made most of the ones i just we just read together those are his it's his fault if we expect prayer to be answered, it's his fault that we believe that we've been given in power to come before God and believe for miracles. It's his fault. He did this. he is so clear. Thirdly, acknowledge the grace. God's grace does wonders in spite of little faith. We see faith in Peter, he slept isn't that a, isn't that Did you notice that He slept the sleep of faith you said well. He was, where was he in the middle of the night? Now, what would you be doing the night before you were going to be beheaded? Sleeping? Well, you say, well, I'm, all right, all right. Yeah, but he may, probably fell asleep, exhausted from, from, his, from, from fear and worry. Not so. It goes on, it describes, do you notice it said, put your belt on? When, when, a, when, when a, Those guys in that culture, their robe, you have this leather belt, this outer belt that's, that's on when you go to sleep, you take that thing off and set it aside. It's comfy. You take off your sandals. And then you take your cloak. That You, you see the prayer shawls now. When, in those days, it was like a serape with a hole in the thing. And it was woolen. And they would wear it over. And you take that off. And you got to put it over you, you know, like a blanket. The guy is is, 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 in, is happily asleep. He has gotten comfortable. He's taken his belt off. Oh, and he's and he's gone to sleep he's sound asleep who does this remind you of sleeping through a storm ah jesus in the back of the boat right there's jesus in the middle of this crisis sound asleep and who was it who woke him up <laughs> peter and 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 peter wakes him up and goes master don't you care about us remember all of that and jesus was real pleased and uh Calm the storm. Well he the man's learned his lesson. He is not afraid. I mean there's just no way around it. This man is if he's going to die, he's not a bit afraid of it. He's just not. He's sound asleep. And it says that the angel comes to him. It's really fun cute. Uh, they it sounds like he struck him a blow, is the way that they translate, like he kicked him or something. Not so. The word is a repeated motion. So the angel reached over, and he's, 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 he's gone, and, and the, he patted him. It's like, Peter, come on. No, Peter, Peter, Peter no, 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 Peter, come back to me. Peter, wake up, come on, come on, I'm here. wake up. And then he has to say, no, put on your coat, put your, put your belt on, sandals, follow me. No, no, this way. He's gone. This is not a nervous man. (laughs) This is not a nervous man. Uh, He is is sound asleep. So we see faith in Peter, but but very little faith in the gathered prayer group. Beyond the fact that they showed up to pray. Yet God called it enough to do a great miracle. See that? Fourthly, acknowledge the process. They faced bad news together. It takes time to quiet down and listen. It takes others listening with you to hear the many different insights that God wants to give. Prayer does not seem to have much effect until the spirit begins to lead us. At some point we become aware that God is leading, is guiding us, and the prayer is actually changing things. As they did. We must also take time to gather, focus, and persevere, to stretch ourselves out toward God. Wednesday night, I, I had had a long day Wednesday and uh, going through some, all kinds of stuff. And, and I was just finishing a meeting in, in M2 and I couldn't go to the prayer meeting, which I normally go to. I couldn't go to the prayer meeting because i had this other meeting. And, and uh, as we were leaving... The intercessory part of the prayer meeting came into M2. And uh, I hadn't had dinner. I hadn't, I, hadn't, I mean, it, it had been a, 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 an incredibly full day. And I had every excuse in the world to go home and uh, try to get some rest. I still had some work to do. And I stood there and I, I watched and I, I just thought, no, I need to be here. I, I need to be, I need to pray. So I just turned around and just sat down and, and just joined the prayer meeting. And it, it's so interesting to watch a, a good prayer meeting. It'll start out, and we'll start out on a particular focus, and, and we're all praying dutifully, and we're doing a good job. But in a in a good prayer meeting, you'll actually sense the Spirit come in and begin to take the meeting at some point. There's a... There's a uh, a, a, a different quality to the prayers. There becomes a flow. It becomes a if the things begin play play one off of another. There's a there's a faith level that rises. I don't know how to say this. You can tell it's working. There's prayers you pray. You go. I hope you heard that, right? And then there's the prayers going. Oh man, we're moving mountains. You can feel it. Listen, you you have to understand that process is normal when when you come together you you must realize that there really is a miracle level you'll step into if 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 you just stay with it let god come and when he comes he'll begin to take this thing and you can feel it happening and boy in those prayer meetings this happens normally there's there's just there's just moments where you realize we're moving mountains right now we're moving mountains something's changing right now because we're praying and there's other times you're going we prayed we're doing our best. And we were. All, I mean, it's all of us. It's a corporate thing. It's not like, you know, one guy's a hot shot and everybody else is hanging on. It, it, it's, it's a corporate thing where you're, we come along together. Learn this. You and I can gather in our weakest moments. We can gather with some bad news. We can gather where we're overwhelmed. We can gather where there's a, a problem that's simply insolvable. And we can count on God showing up. Yesterday evening, after preaching this one of the, one, one couple came up to me and and they said we have a situation it's a it's an adopted uh brother who had was had been uh, on his mother had been on drugs and it had damaged the child and uh they had the child it was now the, the young boy was growing up and and had had, had trauma from this i mean not just physical trauma but emotional you can imagine how frustrating it is when your body doesn't work and when you when you realize increasingly that you're, you're 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 different and and life won't open up for you like it does others and and they said as we listen to you could we do this in other words could we begin to gather away, be with 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 like-hearted believers and begin to press in for this, for this beloved brother? Could, could we actually expect a miracle like that to happen? What do you think? Yes. I think we can. Listen to me. I believe that this is telling us. How often do you ever see this happen? Come on, American Christians. We all talk about it. We vote for it. And when we, talk, when we mean prayer, we mean I'm going to call a hotline somewhere and have them do it for me. I am not against hotlines, but there, you cannot take the work of prayer and throw it to somebody else. You know, like have a, hiring somebody to mow your lawn. This is your job. This is our job. This is part of who we are. You know, I told her a story. I didn't tell this last night, but I'm going to tell you a story. Because I'm sitting there processing this, really, really thrilled with what I'm hearing. And, and I told him, I'm in. I'm in. Let's let's do this. And so we're actually forming a group right now. And there's in about three weeks out. There's something going to happen, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just go to it and see <laughs> what happens. But I told her this story. This is a this is a family I know. This is a situation I know personally. The reality of what I'm about to tell you. It was, it, it was years ago uh, that a that a man who was the the leader of a, of a charismatic movement in in. Uh, in the, I'll just say, in the Presbyterian movement, when I was part of that, he was a f- fabulous guy and still is. And, but he had an adopted son who had been found on a garbage can lid. And no one knew the history. They just found the baby on a garbage can lid. And uh, he and his wife, uh, Bob and Marilyn, adopted this little boy named him Sam. They had other children as well. Well, Sam had tremendously difficult epilepsy. And as he grew older, it got worse, not better. Bob, being a prominent uh, Christian leader, knew all of the big shots, all of the faith healers, personally. And he he and Marilyn took Sam to these various people for healing, to, to no effect. I mean, I'm not saying no effect, but he wasn't healed. And they did their very best. Sam, as as time went on, would have hundreds of petty mall Caesars a day. Um, And as he got, as it went on, he began to have numerous grand malls as well. Bit his tongue off three times. I mean, the whole thing. Now, listen, in between this, there's a little boy there who who knows what's going on. He's about, the time of this healing is about 12, 11 or 12. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening to him. He sees his friends. He's a bright boy. And then this monster attacks him like this. And what what, what does it produce? Anger. Anger and frustration. He's falling far and farther by. Has to be out of school. All of this going on inside of him. We've gone to the best faith healers we know. Nothing. And and Bob said, he said, then this couple who who were Sam's Sunday school teachers came to Maryland me, and they said, Can, would you mind if we picked up Sam once a week and just spent some time in the afternoon with him? He said, well, no, we'd be happy to have that. He said, we just feel called to pray. We've been praying for him. And we like to just pick him up and spend some time with him. And so they began to do this, just regularly would pick Sam up once a week and take him to the zoo, go places, you know, and just. but they've been praying the whole time. And over the course of this thing, they, would, they, they began to come to Bob and Marilyn, and they said, first thing, if I recall, was, you know, we've just been praying, and we feel like the Lord's saying, Sam should drink more water. Okay? So they had Sam drink more water. As continues on, and they come in another time, they say, this may sound strange, but we feel like Sam should eat more fish. Now, you and I know now, that fish really does have stuff in it, but nobody knew that then. Fish was just icky. You know. <laughs> Kidding. I like fish, okay? But fish was fish. So I start feeding Sam okay, feeding Sam fish. And and then came, then came the the thing, the real revelation. They they came and they said, the Lord shows us that Sam's mother tried to abort him. And we believe that we would like to pray for the healing of of that little baby from the trauma of what took place in that womb. Could we pray that way? Yes, you may. So they begin to pray for little Sam for the healing of the memory of that that little tiny child in the mother's womb. It sounds silly until you hear what happens. (laughs) Sam was almost instantly healed, completely. Now, you've got to know that you don't get healed from epilepsy. It is not a disease. It is a condition, and it does not get better in any natural sense. There is no medical. You can medicate it. You can't fix it. Mary and I had lunch with um, Bob a number of years ago uh now they're they're friends actually he did my ordination service um and we and you know what the question I'm asking I said how's Sam and he says doing great I said I said does he have you know man of faith I said does he have any signs he says he says his mother and I once in a while we'll blink and we kind of and he says, but the EEGs, the electrocephalograms, they, they show absolutely nothing. He had gone on and gone back to school and, and, and caught up three years of, of schooling in one year. Wow. Right, boy? Went on to college, is married, and I think he's an engineer or something on that order. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What can happen? And, and here's what Bob said. Um, this has transformed me ever since he said it. He said... What if that couple had said, well, if, if these great men and women of faith, these faith healers could not heal him, what on earth makes us think we can? And he says, these garden, this was his term, these garden variety Presbyterians. He says, I believe that there are people who are like keys to a lock. And there are people through whom healings will come that God has determined. And he, and he says, I believe there's a, a key to every lock. Mm-hmm. Do you hear where this goes? This begins to draw you and me in. We can't disqualify ourselves. We can't suddenly say, I'm not part of this equation. This has to be for these great men and women. God wants, these men and women weren't great at this moment. They were full of fear and overwhelmed by the circumstances, but they did what they were told. And did they ever open the gates of a prison? And we can too. We can too. All right, let's just close this. Acknowledge the possibilities. What could change with this kind of concerted prayer? What jail cells could be opened and prisoners allowed to walk out? In Peter's jail cell, God showed his absolute power over human and demonic hostility. His deliverance must have been an enormous faith builder for the entire church. After that, who could limit the possibilities? God had proved he could release anyone from anything. This passage challenges us to consider the possibilities of what concerted prayer can do. And it assures us that even believers who judge themselves to have been to have only mustard seed sized faith can move mountains and when they decide to earn, when they decide to earnestly pray here are some opportunities to start now. I just want to remind you, we have, a, we have this table project. You can start praying with others now. Join that. You say, I don't know how to join that. There are smart people in the foyer, not here. There are smart people. They'll help you if you have a smartphone or a computer. If you don't, call the church. We, and and our, our receptionist will put your request on the table. All you have to do is call us. We'll put it on for you but he goes out to hundreds of people instantly in real time. That is one avenue. Please, please, please be on that. Prayer meeting Wednesday night. Life groups. When, when one of the families in, in your church, in your life group begins to have a, 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 a crisis, what if, what, if, what if we decided to pray like this? Say, all right, for the next two weeks, for the next, for the next month, we are going to intercede and we'll gather and, and have a special time where we're going to stand with you for that situation. And believe God to open those jail cells. Do you think we'll see things happen? I think we will. I think there's a level here. We can learn to do this in a workable way. Our LTGs, our missions prayer, all of those things are avenues for us to pray. And that example of that, that young couple that came to me last night. Could we do this for a beloved brother? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. And see that jail cell opened up. Would you stand with me? Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Holy Spirit, we love you so much. Like weaned children, we fall into your arms. Some of us, Lord, have had a rough ride. We've tried to believe you for all we know. And we've, we've seen things go badly. Or at least certainly not all that we had hoped. And so for us, the the call to trust and believe again. To stand on promises again can be a painful thing. We choose to cling to you. We choose to believe the word. We choose to humbly set aside. And just like David say, these things are too great for me. I am not the one who understands all the mysteries. But I will fall into the arms of my God and trust him. We bless you, our Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for the example of our forefathers and mothers and the honesty with which Luke is showing us their weakness as well as the great miracle that they accomplished. Lord God, may it prompt us, prod us forward. Teach us here in the 21st century to pray with the same effect to see your the, the things, the hard ones, the things that seem impossible, to see those cells opened, the chains fall off, the captives set free. Oh, God, we want to walk in this. We're not playing games. There's people's lives at stake here. We would be all that you're calling us to be. Show us, Lord. We admit we're children. I admit I'm, ch- I'm, I'm I'm weak here, Lord. But we are hearing the word and we're going to follow the word. And we're going to learn. So we're open to you now. And by faith, thank you for the miracles. Thank you for the hopeless situations being set free. Blessed be the Lord who can do all things. There is nothing impossible with God. There is nothing impossible with God. And you take normal people like us, garden variety people like us, and you open locks. Blessed be the Lord who has given us his word. We receive it now. Now, if you're saying, all right, I'm ready to take a step forward. As God shows me, I'm going to take this kind of prayer seriously. I will participate. I will let God show me how he wants me to be used. And I will stand I will, what will I do? I'll focus, I'll gather, I'll persevere. I will fight the fight of faith and see God do his works as he leads us. If you're if you're part of that, would you say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. Hear us, Father. In Jesus' powerful name we pray it. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, subscribe, and share it with a friend. For more information, just head to our website, lifelessonspublishing.com. That's Life Lessons publishing.com. There you'll be able to order many of the books Pastor Steve has written.